Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to Liberty Librarian. This is your host, Heather Biederman. And it is good to be back here on my new home at TalkShoe. I already see I have uh, one of my guests talking to me on chat. So join me on TalkShoe if you'd like to do a little bit of chat in the background. Um, I have a pretty cool show on this Veterans Day together for you. Um, today, I'd like to thank all of the veterans who have served our country and uh, protected us and made sure that we have our freedoms that I talk about on the show every day today. So today, uh, we had a big meeting with my, my new boss, and we had some librarians from around the state come and uh, go to this meeting, and then we had lunch together, and uh, we went to uh, Olive Garden for lunch today, and we even went really early. We went at like 11 o'clock because our meeting got done early. So we're going to eat lunch and then everybody else is going to go home to their campus. So we get there and it is packed. It is crazy, crazy packed at Olive Garden. And I mean, I don't go to Olive Garden that often, but uh, I figured it out really quick. Today was Veterans Day and they had a huge deal going on there. So people smell a good deal and they come from all around. So they had some good deals for veterans so if you are a veteran you might want to go out and check out like there's restaurants all around town that are doing deals for veterans today and so go out there and and get to it so i'm gonna say hi to my guest hi there again yes it is going good so today is veterans day and uh we're trying to get the technology to work and I am having problems yet. Um, I try, I'm trying this software called Butt, which I think is hilarious. It's Butt. And we are trying it out and it says it's recording. So I'm not sure it's actually sending it to the Xeno site. And when I try to get it from the Xeno site, the broadcast studio shuts me out. So sorry about that. I was hoping that the Freedom Revolution Network could get the live show, but it like looks like they're probably gonna have to get it after the fact. But do go check it out. I'm gonna click it one more time to see. And it says failure to exchange connection information. So obviously something weird is going on on there. I'm gonna try one other thing and see if I can figure it out, but most likely it's not happening today. So I'll try one more thing, one more thing, and then I'm done with it. Yeah, I don't have like on the other one, it doesn't, it says now playing. So maybe it's working, maybe it's working, we'll see. So I'm gonna just leave that going on in the background and we will continue our conversation. So yes, today we're gonna be talking a little bit about intellectual freedom news 
and we're also going to be talking about video games. I enjoy video games a lot. I don't know if you guys do, but um, I've had some thoughts about my life with video games, and I was going to share that with you today. And I'm having a tasty beverage and relaxing. It was, you know, sometimes Mondays are hard. I don't know if you have a hard time with it too, but it's just really odd. So, okay, intellectual freedom news. Did you guys see in the news about um, Jamie Ol or Jamie Oliver? That's his name. Jamie Oliver. I'm gonna look it up. They had this thing that they won their lawsuit. Here's a news article. No, that's different, Oliver. Let's see. John Oliver, different J name. Got my brain wrong. Um, so John Oliver, he picked a fight with a coal boss two years ago. He called him a geriatric Dr. Evil on his show last week tonight. And so he's celebrating a legal victory over the coal baron, Bob Murray. And he had a huge musical number. And I've, I read in a couple different articles. There's one in Time Magazine, Slate Magazine, the Mary Sue. And I'm going to pick from the, the one from the Mary Sue. It's called, Here's Why It's a Bad Idea to Sue John Oliver. So what it, what what appeals to me in this article is like sometimes John Oliver annoys me but I also think he's really pretty smart and funny and he, sometimes he just rubs people the wrong way and I kind of I, I like that because I am a more like diplomatic kind of person but I always appreciate that people will say what's on their mind and uh, get to the heart of real problems and I really appreciate some of the things he's done, like buying up student loans and paying it off for people, making making the world a little bit better in that way. So what happened? Two years ago, the show Last Week Tonight that he does, they did a deep dive into the realities of the coal industry and the ways in which coal companies make their money at the expense of actual miners who are doing all the hard work. and you know, their health suffers. There's there's a lot of bad things that happen. People die. There's uh, the stress of the job. It, it's just bad all around. And they make a lot of money off of these people. So John Oliver uh, focused on one executive called Bob Murray. That's his name. And they call him the geriatric, geriatric Dr. Evil. And, it, and he's on the same side as Black Lung. So this Murray guy sues John Oliver and HBO, you know, Deep Pockets, and um, the, the production company called Partially Important Productions for defamation and hurt feelings. But um, after a, about two years, it was, the suit was dismissed in February. However, John Oliver isn't letting the lawsuit go and dedicated Sunday's show to explaining how frivolous, destructive, and too often effective this sort of suit is. And there's a video um, on last week tonight about what's called slap suits, S-L-A-P-P. -P. Now, slap suits are a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And it's uh, rich, um, and I'm going to quote them on this. It says, rich, already wealthy, elite assholes um, like to use this tactic to shut people up. And it works a lot of times because people are too poor 
and uh, not motivated to keep throwing a bunch of money into a lawsuit, even if it means that um, they get paid off or it just uh, they just go away because it's not worth it. Um, what they and they mentioned specifically President Donald Trump um, has used them, uh, and they're not they don't actually want to win in court. What they want to do is to tie up their opponent's time and resources. So it makes the them stop talking about them. It makes them kind of disappear. So, but John Oliver has HBO's legal team, which is big money, right? So um, this Bob Murray also had similar lawsuits against small town newspapers, individual activists, who don't have the ability to take on a financially and emotionally draining slap suit. So even though Murray's suit against Oliver was dismissed, their show's libel insurance premium tripled. And I didn't know what libel insurance was, but they have it for big shows and television shows and internet shows out there. So um, it tripled their premium because of this, because of a suit that disappeared so that would absolutely be enough to sink most shows or any other kinds of businesses, but not HBO and not uh, John Oliver's show. So Oliver had al also discovered Murray's um, ob obligatory alleged history of treating female employees in a degrading and abusive manner. And while there are a lot of reasons why those women may have chosen to accept the considerable sums of money their settlements entailed rather than pursue legal action and ability, inability or unwillingness to go through that sort of torturous legal circus Murray is known for is definitely one of them. Okay, so here, here it goes. All of this creates a culture of fear in which Murray ends up able to succeed in his goal of stifling any criticism of him and industrial operations. So this is what the heart of what I have a problem with is when corporations and big companies like this they use their power to make it so there's no freedom of speech there's nobody talking about what's going on that's a problem and john oliver he he likes to uh, talk about the culture of fear it's if john oliver senses that he's gonna be like on it so the lawsuit's over their insurance premiums are through the roof and they could have just let it go they say but instead, they stage an unbelievable, almost unbelievable, elaborate and very not safe for work language wise musical number. So this musical number was kind of hilarious. Um, maybe it's because HBO is no longer spending every week on Game of Thrones that they have some more money to throw around. But um, what they did was they took Times Square and had an appearance of a Broadway star, Brian Darcy James, a chorus line barbershop quartet of squirrels and a fireworks display all to resend the original message from two plus years ago to eat shit bob so basically um it's his way of fighting back and showing that maybe by embarrassing them if they know that um, it could end up being something like hilarious uh broadway numbers and uh points out the fact that they are using abusing their power in this way. Maybe that's a way of taking power away from these guys. So I applaud John Oliver 
and his crazy pants uh, musical number and standing up to big money like uh, Bob Murray and the, the coal industry. And you don't see this kind of uh, gumption in a lot of people where they, they actually stand up for what they believe in. So I, I was particularly fascinated by that. Um, speaking of free speech, um, there was an article on the Hill that I thought was of interest is the chilling, the hostility to free speech in our country. Speaking your mind is becoming one of the things that you could be targeted for, punished for, just like John Oliver. So this article in the Hill goes on to say, should you face fines or even jail time for having an unpopular opinion? In a country that enshrines the right to free speech, you would think not. But today, a surprising number of Americans harbor a hostility towards free speech. There was a poll that said it found 51% of Americans support rewriting the First Amendment. Think about that. Uh, which secures the right to speech, a free press, and freedom of religion, among other things. Worse, 48% would criminalize free speech or hate speech, actually. So if you, um, if they think it's hateful speech, hate speech, they think it should be criminalized. However, one defines that term, however one defines that term, with most of these supporting possible jail time. They think that if somebody says something like racist, hateful, that they should go to jail for it. Now, Americans are also souring on a free press. According to the same poll, which I gotta look and see where was this poll? That's just crazy pants, right? Oh, look, it's probably in there. Um, it says that 57% um, of Americans believe that governments should be able to take action against newspapers and television stations for their editorial content. And 36% of Americans support a government agency reviewing alternative media, such as podcasts, and less than half of Americans oppose this. Guys, this is the we're 1984 kind of stuff coming to life. If people believe this, it's just so easy for them to step in and start making it true. It's terrifying. And there's a generational trend that is cause for more concern. Millennials are the most hostile towards free speech. So like, okay, boomer, you know, right? Like that. Um, the results aren't partisan. Conservatives would love to see CNN get its due. Liberals would also likewise feel the same about Fox News. It's a product of our polarized discourse. And we should all take a step back from the edge. Now, it's easy to take what we have here in America for granted. But imagine, imagine, if you will, you could be thrown in jail for giving your opinion on a Facebook or a personal blog. Imagine that your local TV news could be sanctioned for reporting things that aren't approved by the government. So, I mean, we're, we're becoming like other countries. We're, we're like heading on that path towards like being like a dictatorship like China, but it's actually a reality in other countries. So the UK and Canada do not have the same protections of free speech that we do, right? In those countries, controversial books that are printed in the US may be held off the market due to publishers' fear of lawsuits. So one example is a book critical of the Church of Scientology, 
which is notoriously litigious, that was later turned into an HBO documentary. So we have the ability to watch and read these and other controversial allegations and stories and then make up our own minds. Other people don't have this basic right. So why do so many people want to give it away? I don't understand it. Um, and this is what made America so unique when the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were written. Americans had the right to air their grievances, disagree with the government publicly, and the press had a right to freely speak their minds. And more than two years later after that is just as vital as ever. But we're looking at college campuses are stifling free speech rather than encouraging it. And cases that could forever alter the way free speech is addressed are heading through the court system. So we are in a time where we are about to lose rights and we need to pay attention. This is why we're launching, um, this is why there are, they are launching a campaign for free speech, which brings together a bipartisan group of lawyers and other prof professionals that will work to push back against the efforts to restrict speech and educate Americans why free speech is vital to a free society. Without the ability to promote different ideas, we cannot have free minds. So you may not like what somebody else says, but to silence them means that you could be having your own thoughts silenced down the road. And you know, we're all kind of selfish, but to think about the fact that we could all lose out because of our narrow-minded view on uh, silencing people who we disagree with. And, that, and it is true, it's what's coming up. So what is the solution to society's hostility to free speech? It's not a law, it's us. The solution to speech we don't like is more speech, not less. So if you don't like what somebody has to say about it, then they can talk, but you can talk too. And that's what's so great about our country. And what, what our veterans fought for today that you know we're celebrating. So I think that we need to think about like how, how do we protect it? We, we need to get out there and speak our minds. So last month, the liberal Hollywood activist Alyssa Milano went to Washington, D.C. to meet with conservative U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. The two discussed their differing views on gun control. They didn't change each other's minds, but they did something better. They talked. And, and you know, that's, that's all I could hope for. You know, I, I hope that people with different viewpoints listen to my show. They can talk about their feelings in a, you know, in a way that's rational and you know, you're not slamming doors in people's faces, you know, you can talk and agree to disagree. It's okay. That's what the way they used to do it in the old days before we had like Facebook and Twitter to make our faces anonymous. When you actually have to face someone and look at them in the eyes, you're going to be a little bit more thoughtful about um, that. That's a person in front of you. And I, I think we've gotten to this point where we're so isolated and alone that it, it makes it really hard. So when she reflected on it, Alyssa Milano said, maybe we understand one another a little better. Here's what I came away with that I wasn't so sure of before the meeting. Ted Cruz is a human being. He isn't a villain in a movie. And I think that's that's the, the main problem is that we're villainizing the other side. It's not just like our team versus their team. 
it's like a war now instead of it being something where we can work out our differences find sometimes we've got to find a middle ground where we can all agree on or something that's uh, baby steps towards making change but we got to work together we're all human and we all like have you know flaws and perfections and things that you know it, it it's just so hard when people are so quick to like hate someone because they disagree with something about music or something on Facebook and you're just going well how would they deal with it if it was something that really mattered you know they're they get outraged so quickly on both sides they say we tend to villainize the other side we tend to listen to news that reaffirms that we what we already believe instead of broadening our sources of information with enough rancor and isolation Tent leads to supporting restrictions on what the other side can say, whether we call it fake news or hate speech. So free speech gives us a unique ability to have diversity of opinions at our fingertips and to discern what's true and what's not for ourselves. Whatever we believe, let's preserve that. I agree with that. And it's something that's been on my mind for a long time is that we are so quick to stomp on other people and to say, I won. See, I'm so right. I won. And you know, sometimes you don't win by that. It's, it's kind of sad and terrifying to me that people are so willing to hurt their friends, hurt other people just because of that. So, I, I mean, I just think about that a lot. Okay. I'm going to look up something really quick. Let's see. There is a site called Protect Free Press that I was looking at earlier today. Let's see if I can find it again. Oops, it would help if I type actual words. There we go. Yay, Heather. Okay. Where is that? Protect Free Press. Oh, Protect protectpressfreedom.org is the website I'm looking at. I'm going to type that in. protectpressfreedom.org typing. Okay. This website is kind of interesting to me and it was mentioned in the ALA Intellectual Freedom blog, the news blog that is uh, updated every week and I get a lot of my um, news ideas from there and I highly recommend uh, checking the ALA page out because honestly, American Libraries Association is at the forefront of keeping an eye on the news of the world and trying to, you know, let people know what's going on. And, you know, you can decide for yourself how you want to, you know, go forward and how you can make change in your own little corner of the world. But uh, my job is to shed some light and to show you what's going on and maybe give you some ideas on how to protect protect our freedom in this world. And I mean, I feel like it's going away, so I, I get very worried. So what was really neat about this site um, was it's put on by the, the press and the protectpressfreedom.org site. It has a test your press freedom knowledge and um, if if our free press is silenced, American freedom no longer exists. 
and this is what it says, a free and local, a free and vocal press informs, opens dialogue, makes our voices heard and holds those in power, leaders, businesses, institutions, and governments accountable. You have the right to be informed, no matter what kind of information is important to you. But right now, your right to know what's happening in the world around you is being threatened. These threats come in many forms, but one of the biggest is taking your right to know for granted. They, if you, have you guys ever see the movie Idiocracy? It's, it's feels like it's becoming reality and you guys need to check that movie out. Um, it's, it's about a guy who gets kind of like moves in time. I think he was like knocked out or something or frozen. He wakes up and he is the smartest man in the world because all of these changes over time have uh, made people um, vapid and you know they think um, all the plants are dying because they don't realize that um, they're pouring basically like Mountain Dew on everything and they don't understand why it's not growing because knowledge is lost nobody respects intelligence and the intelligent people kind of faded away so I think we're, I don't want it, us to go towards idiocracy, but I'm starting to see that maybe we are. So we're at this precipice of maybe we need to like pay attention, right? So the world is being threatened and threats come in many forms, but the biggest is taking your right to know for granted. Why would America become without access to the information that is cru crucial for our daily lives. We live on information. We already are losing access to some of it. Learn more about the threats and how you can protect your rights now, because to remain free, we must be informed. And so they have a video and a quiz, and they talk about taking action by spreading the word, telling people to take the press freedom quiz, which I'm going to post on my Liberty Librarian site. I think it's very interesting. And you can use it to acknowledge threats, to show your support, and highlight great reporting. And there are some, like, you can add some of the images for your social media, and it has graphics, and it shows um, ways of supporting local news outlets. They say, read, watch, listen to, and share local news. So if you have a local newspaper, a local uh, television station, you need to support them in some way. You know, I know I don't even have cable anymore, but I tried to go to um, our local news is KUIC and to go there and, uh, you know, check out what's going on in the news. Sometimes there are things that are being covered that you will not hear anywhere else. And local news is just fading away fast. They say subscribe to local news. So if you have social media with um, outlets on, you know, like your, your local newspaper has a way to subscribe, do it to do that. You know, sometimes for free, sometimes for pay. Um, if you have the money, it's worth paying. I, I work in a library, so we have access. We, we've paid for all the local newspapers at our library. So you can you can go and enjoy them there if you don't have money. Go and read them. I know people like kids today are like, oh, you know, who even reads the paper anymore? You should. You should read the paper. Why? Because there's little nuggets of truth in there. And one of the things I've learned in my life is to read between the lines. Sometimes the things they say 
are one thing, but the things they don't say tell you so much more. So you learn to you learn to do that by the more you read. And I think readers are the only people that are really prepared in this world for dealing with all sorts of history and things that keep repeating themselves again and again. And by being unaware and uneducated about what's going on, um, you become a victim. And that I think this is really important. And they say um, there's information about um, the Reporters Committee for the Freedom of Press. Um, the Reporters Committee for the Freedom of Press provides a pro bono legal representation, support, and resources to protect First Amendment freedoms and the news gathering rights of journalists. Because as we talked about in the John Oliver uh, case, that um, big companies are trying to do these frivolous lawsuits against newspapers to shut them up. And it works because they have no money. They're hanging on by their fingernails um, to just keep things going. Um, Committee to Protect Journalists is another one. Promotes free press freedom worldwide by defending the rights of journalists to report the news freely and safely without fear of reprisal. Reprisal happens all the time. Uh, governments, big businesses don't like it when you tell the truth about what they're up to. They don't, and they have way more money and resources than any little guy could. They have the FP, the free press. They fight for your rights to connect and communicate. Um, Internews is another one, empowers people worldwide with a trustworthy, high quality news. Um, media Law Resource Center, that's a great one, provides a, a wide range of media content law and policy resources. Um, Pen America, that's one I've looked at, stands at the intersection of literature and human rights to protect free expression in the US and worldwide. They have Reporters Without Borders for press freedom, the Society of Professional Journalists, they're all part of it. And they have partners like Barron, CBS News, CNN, um, I'm looking, they have Dow Jones, LA Times, uh, who else, NPR, National, National Public Radio, New York Times, Writers, um, National Press Club, Newsy, Scripps, uh, let's see, Stitcher, I see Twitter, which makes me kind of pause, um, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. So there are people out there fighting to make sure that our news is protected. And it is a big part of what we are and who we are in this country. And it terrifies me that it could be going away. So I will be sharing some stuff about it. Um, like the test, I think, is a really good thing to see if, how much you understand. And if other people that follow you on Facebook take a look at it, try it out. Some of them may go, wow, I didn't realize this was a threat. So some of the threats that they mention, you need to protect your right to know what a the freedoms, um, the threats to press freedom look like. And I'm, I'm going to just pause for a second because, you know, as a podcaster, I am technically a member of the press too. I, I talk about intellectual freedom news every week. And um, some of the things that I talk about are unfavorable to government, unfavorable to businesses, and um, maybe even a little controversial at times. You know, some of my stuff I'd be like, you know, talking about, I don't know, lotion and conditioner. And I mean, that nobody, nobody's going to put me in jail for that. But for the moments that I do cross the powerful, I, I could suffer for it. And then, you know what, if I disappear, 
what did I say that made me disappear? Which, which of the powerful stopped me? It's, it could be, it could happen anytime. And I, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I think we all need to be worried about. Okay, unpause. So threats to your right to know, and here's what they mention. They talk about legal intimidation and retaliation. So like John Oliver, the threat of legal action, targeting journalists, sources, or news outlets, they use that to silence reporting. So a lot of the lawsuits may have no legal merit, but they have so much money that they just drain the resources of newsrooms and, and uh, you know, podcasters and journalists of any sort. Um, freelance journalists, documentary filmmakers, and small news outlets are especially at risk because they may not have the resources to defend themselves. And it says like some of the examples that they talk about are like prior restraint, libel and privacy lawsuits, leaks, investigations, subpoenas for confidential news gathering materials and intimidation of sources. So what this can do is it can delay or block publication of stories. It can make it so people will have a fear of speaking to journalists because they could get retribution, um, financial strain in newsrooms due to the increasing legal costs. And you know, um, newspapers and uh, television news aren't making the kind of money that they used to. Um, it's quite terrifying. So denial of access. This is another tactic. The government especially has used a number of tactics to deny access to documents and events that the public has the legal right to see. And in the worst cases, it has stopped efforts to increase the government transparency and accountability. In addition, denied access sometimes may be due to retaliation against a reporter for coverage perceived as unfavorable to the government. So what does this look like? They can take away your press passes. They can um, get, have failure to provide information required by law. They just never get back to you. They can deny access to court proceedings and records, public meetings and records, press conferences, and government officials. So the effects again are reduce access to information and erosion of government transparency and accountability. Another thing that they can do is government threats. Government is responsible for following the First Amendment, considering they kind of wrote it, you'd think they'd follow it, and upholding our nation's press freedom principles. But sometimes government officials wield their power and platform to intimidate members of the media and chill reporting. So corporations and private individuals can pressure and sue journalists. Misuse of government power, however, over the press was the greatest concern of our nation's founders. As James Madison wrote, the sensorial power is in, in the people over the government, not the government over the people. So what does the government threat look like? Here are some examples. They can use tracking, detaining, or arresting journalists to prevent them from reporting or in retaliation for the reporting, using inflammatory rhetoric, targeting the press, threatening to take away broadcast licenses or use antitrust or other government regulatory investigations to punish disfavored news outlets. So the effects are chilling effect on publishing important information. You may not even see it. Diminished transparency, uh, physical endangerment of journalists in the US and abroad, undermining the press by stoking public distrust. So we're seeing more and more uh, physical violence towards journalists as well. Um, 
and you and you're wondering where it comes from is it it's um sometimes i feel like there is a very subversive planting of thoughts in people's heads in the media where you know like these journalists they're making your country bad and so people they respond to it they go they shoot at um they've had shootings um, they go and attack journalists especially i've noticed a lot of female journalists get um really harassed and it's quite terrifying damage and stolen equipment um, bomb threats and suspicious packages so to shut people up they threaten violence and they actually do perform violence so when you see your colleagues get shot or hurt doing the same job that you're doing it's enough to make some people pause and some to just leave the industry altogether because it just feels unsafe and that's one way they win so you have physical injury this chilling effect that stops you from wanting to to do the work there's financial strain and journalists leaving the profession due to emotional and psychological distress or fear for safety and they go on they talk about harassment especially a female journalist wow it's like you know i haven't even read all of this and i'm like wow this is exactly what i was thinking so they face both online and offline threats um, physical safety integrity families um i've went to a presentation once where um they had a bunch of female journalists talking about what it was like for them and when they had done a news story that people disagreed with um people talked about being threatened with rape and murder and it was astonishing that it was so often and it didn't stop them from doing the news a lot of them laughed it off but i thought it was so horrifying as a librarian every day i um i work in a place that's pretty positive actually i mean students come to me they ask for help they thank me um i get to work with books and really cool ideas but um to be a journalist you're going to be unpopular and this is amazing to me that it's so threatening and they're smearing their reputation um they troll and have comments and insults being racist misogynistic and using violent language and it makes people once again not want to do their job and leave the industry and then this is one of the last ones that I'll mention is uh, the declining financial viability of local news. So one in five newspapers have closed in the past 15 years, creating local news coverage gap in some communities. Local broadcast news outlets are trying to answer the growing need for local coverage. With fewer journalists on the ground, some stories remain uncovered. So what I'm hoping, and I mean, maybe it's gonna change face, I've seen a lot more gonzo journalism. You know what that is? It's like people with their own gear going out and covering news. And um, it it's so much easier if you have an official press pass. And that's one of the things um, Freedom Revolution Network, we're working on getting everyone who does the radio show their own press pass. So if news is going on, any of us could go and cover it. So if something big happens in my hometown i can go and cover it and i'll have press coverage uh right so i can get in but a lot of smaller um people who do podcasts they don't even like really understand how the press works and 
and I will admit, you know, I went to school when my undergraduate degree is what was called mass communications, which was another way of saying journalism degree, which um, when I got out of school, you know, basically there was like the most low paying jobs ever. And I made a hard choice. It's like I went to school for this. Um, but the classes I had on graphic design were much more beneficial and made me um, enough money to live on and to have benefits. So for a while I was a graphic designer and even, and this is back in the like late nineties, early two thousands. So if at that point, you know, this is before like Facebook really took off or any of that stuff, any social media, um, that was like the, the first um, gasping breath that you, you could feel like news was starting to fade. And then after social media really took off, people get their news from looking at social media, looking at Facebook, seeing things are trending and Twitter and whatever. But, you know, supporting your local media in some way is important. And I think what will end up being, what will probably happen is you'll have smaller groups that do local coverage, but it'll be like websites, it'll be on social media, and um, they'll possibly have um, their own bots that kind of like look for news and scour. But I think the biggest source of news is human side of things. And I mean, one group I, I belong to locally is, uh, you know, it's like a local history, like his, history of the community kind of website, which is fascinating because, you know, I've lived here so many years, but you get people that have lived here like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, and they're posting on it talking about, do you remember this place that existed? Do you remember this um, controversial thing that happened here? And you get people talking about it. And then you sometimes pick up things that um, may never have been written in the newspaper and you see lots of different sides to the news. So I don't think it's over. I don't think we're like, we failed, we should give up now. No, I think that maybe we need to work on coming up with a new face of how we get our information. But we still, at the heart of it, need trustworthy individuals that are bringing the news to you every day. And I worry about that constantly. So anyway, Okay, we're, we're almost done with this, kids. It's, I just get too emotional. So you need to take action, right? I really want you to at least think about how, how we can protect our news media, our free press. We need to make sure free press is not silenced. American freedom needs to continue to exist. And there's a hashtag, um, hashtag protect press freedom, if you want to put it on any of your social media. And I will do that today for my Liberty Librarian Show of the Day in honor of both our veterans and protecting press freedom today. It's very important that we think about um, all of the sacrifices people have made to make our country free and to make sure that we have choices and are protected from the government getting out of control with power and big businesses um, abusing our, our rights. We need to pay attention now because people are so willing to just give it away. And I, I really don't want that to happen. 
So I will post it to this site on my uh, Facebook page so you can follow along at home. And I will post a link to the, um, the quiz. So if you want to try it out, it's kind of fun, pretty quick. Um, and I will uh, post some more about how to take action. So it, this isn't the end of it. This isn't the only time I'm going to mention it. I do think that our press is tied to a lot of our freedoms. And if without a voice saying, you know, things are wrong, we need to do something about it. Um, most people never know that anything is about to happen to them. So please pay attention to that. Okay, let's see. I'm going to just check and make sure that I'm not having anything on fire on the internet. Okay, so take a little sippy sip. Mm-hmm. You guys are the best. Oh, let's see. Okay. We are going to talk a little bit about video games today. Now, I was a kid in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, and um, I grew up with computers and with video game systems. Our, we had an Atari 2600 growing up, so we got to play, uh, you know, what is it, Pong, and um, we had, what was it, the ones where we fly through Barnstormer, I think is it called. I remember that because we played a lot when we played E.T. on it. And, oh, um, got the one where you swing on vines. It's a jungle one. Yeah, it's like, all I can remember is by Activision. <laughs> and it's just, like, there's so many things that I just think it's it's kind of, like, built who I am. I was so proud. There's one summer like every summer I had, you know, like all kids, I had the summer off. And I remember my tradition was I would watch Wimbledon, even though no one else in my house gave a crap about tennis. I was fascinated for at least a brief time in my life, especially in the eighties with tennis of all things. I suck at tennis in real life. I, you know, I just know enough to hit it back and forth and not be very like, you know, if I can keep it going, I'm like, yes, let's just keep hitting this back and forth. There's no strategy to this. But watching them play was amazing. And then when I wasn't watching Wimbledon, um, I would also be playing like Atari. And um, I had this one Mario Brothers game. And I stayed, you know, because you couldn't save. You had to just keep playing and playing and you would pause it and um, sometimes you would burn out your your drive. So I kept playing and playing and I my goal was to get the number like get to whatever it was 999999000 whatever. And I, I was sure that something magical would happen if I made the numbers roll over and I played and I stayed up all night playing this dang game. And when I got to that point, nothing happened. It didn't add a number. It just like kind of stayed at 999999. And I just was so disappointed that, you know, you've seen movies where, what was that one with Spielberg? Um, Ready Player One. Um, Ready Player One with a book too. It was very good. It's very big on nostalgia. 
and you feel like there's going to be some sort of Easter egg in games. And if you could just figure out how to get it, that everything would make more sense. And unfortunately, that was a point in my life where there was no magic to it and no special thing. However, it's not always true. I remember my brother and I played this one haunted house game. It was creepy. And oh, it was so good. I have to look up what it was. Um, we went, it was like you went into a room and you're looking around and you're trying to solve this mystery. And at the same time, it's like obviously this place is haunted. And there's a magic eight ball on the table. I'm like, pick it up. And it's like, try again, or signs point to yes. And we kept doing it. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like something's going to come out of this. And we did it again, and it said, help me. And we just were like, ah! So yes, there are moments where you just go, wow. There are moments in games where you're like, that is so freaking fantastic. And I think everybody needs that. You need to have like hope and uh, terror and something new but i love that moment where it's your own discovery where you just go i'm gonna try this i'm gonna see if something happens from it because it seems weird and and you're like i'm right see i'm right and that's what i hope more kids get like games where they they test your instinct and that the fact that you know if you're thorough you may be rewarded you know, because I'm a completionist with video games. I want to like play it till the end. I want to know all the things that are going on and the tricks and all of it, all of it. Mm. So yeah, I um, that's how I started out is playing games like that. My parents were. It's weird because now they're like retired, but back then they were. Um, they got an Apple II Plus. We loved it. We were like one of the first people in our little town that had our own computer, a real computer. And my parents taught like computer classes for a while and people were just so excited and it was all, you know, HTML, like, but old school, like, what is it? <laughs> it was just crazy programming. And so I, I actually learned a little bit of that when I was a kid and I think it's helped me to this day. Because you think about like the recipe that goes into programming pages and you know how to make it look right. So it's it's a good skill no matter what. So anyway, my parents got that computer and it changed things considerably. It changed the way I looked at the world. Um, we were really lucky because we also had one of those old school dot matrix printers. So, you know, you remember the ones, and it was just like, oh my god, it was the loudest noise ever printing off your papers and it was all on a reel. It wasn't sheet by sheet. You'd have like that whole reel of paper and then you'd go through and you'd rip off the edges and you tear each sheet apart. So have those little perforated edges all around it. And oh, it was so great. It was so great. And we'd make banners on those and it was pretty fun. But um, it, the thing that really changed stuff for me is, you know, it didn't have internet back then. Um, but what it did have was you could have a word processor. So this, you know, this is back when most of the people had a typewriter at home. So kids that were doing their papers, they would be typing on their typewriter. But for me, we had like the world's oldest known to man word processing program on Apple II+. It was basically you're doing... Um, 
you know, website programming where you'd say turn on bold, turn off bold, uh, new paragraph, new line, italics, you know, like and you have to write out with a little code around it so it know that you were like putting that in. But you save often and you had these great big giant floppy disks that you can save on. And so, you know, you could stop and come back and, you know, like you work on your paper and then when you're done, you print out the whole thing. And if you screwed up a page, you could print off one page. It was pretty awesome. So you take for granted things like that back then, like that you go, wow, remember before we had a computer, like how hard it was. And now like, people get mad if things take more than a second to print. Uh, one of the things I think is amazing now is, you know, instead of typing, you could go on Google Documents and like it does uh, vocal. You, know, you could do your speech to text and type your paper but with your voice. So we've come a long way, baby. And um, video games kind of evolved for me. Like we had lots of different game machines in our lives like xbox a playstation and um god what was the one um we had like smaller ones like nintendo snes oh there's just so many and you know and you grow up playing games it makes you really a good problem solver i think people who don't ever play video games they don't have that um, it makes you so you want to work with people and uh, get together and fix things together. So I, I do think there's a lot of bonding and uh, good reality that can exist, a lack of reality, but really um, fantasy world, utopia kind of things where I do think I go into playing games and I like to play on an MMO. I used to play Warcraft back in the day. I just got kind of tired of it. Some of the big changes I felt like weren't for me. The story I still love. Um, Warcraft, the thing I didn't like was there's so many little, um, I'm going to say it, like teenage boys that like to run up to your character. And I had a female character. And they're like, you're not really a woman. You're probably a dude. And I'm like, yep, whatever you got me. Wow. And if you weren't, they weren't, you're like, oh, you're a girl. <laughs> it was creepy no matter what. It's creepy if they thought you were a guy, and it's creepy if they thought you were a girl. It was never like you run up to a dude and you go, you're, you're male characters. You're not really a man, are you? You're a lady trying to pretend. Ha, 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 ha. No one goes up to dudes in games and does that. It's ridiculous. You just kind of go, hi. You want to go run this, do this raid with me? Uh, you know, whatever. And also didn't like Warcraft is the, the worst game for people trying to tell you how your setups should be. You know, like if you have a character type. I, God, I can, I can barely remember. It's been so long now. Um, yeah, my character was like a dark elf. And they didn't like how I had my blood ability set up. Because they thought I should switch it to ice here and that. And a guy actually walked through how he wanted me to play it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to just play for fun. I mean, that's that's why I play games. That's why I do anything, really, is I want to enjoy it. I don't like people micromanaging me, especially in my free time. That's So 
stopped playing World of Warcraft and I joined up a uh, kindred with a bunch of friends that I like guys I worked with and um, we had a really good group. We played a game called Lord of the Rings Online and I still play it. It's just nuts. They, they just had a expansion on it and um, I don't really like playing with other people that much anymore. And this is kind of like the weird introvert part of me is I like the weird story stuff. So I, I go through it and I follow along the story because I love Lord of the Rings. And I like world exploring. But I could give a crap about raids. And I give a crap about gear. I don't like, you know, every once in a while I'll go like kind of crazy on crafting and make stuff. But then I get bored with that. I just don't like grinding. Because I feel like the real world is grinding. You know, you, you keep doing rinse and repeat. You know, like, get up, go to work, come, like, come home after you've done work all day. Now, work at home, clean, do this, take your, take your pets to the vet, take your kids to, like, to the show, to their sports stuff. And then eat food, you know, rest for an hour, go to bed, go to sleep, do it again. You know, I mean, it... There's built-in grinding to our real world. I don't need it in my games, too. So I think about that, too, is that, you know, there's an ideal when we play. Like, what, what kind of characters are you? You know, I know some guys that always make beautiful women, and you kind of go, hmm, I wonder why. Is it because they want to be like beautiful women? They admire them. They just like watching somebody run around with their boobs. You know, I mean... What what is it? Why do you choose that kind of character? Because I know guys that like every character they if they have a choice to pick a dwarf they will always pick a dwarf, and and I often pick a female character just because I'm like yeah, that's me. I'm running around, and sometimes they look a little bit like me, and sometimes they look nothing like me. I think that's kind of interesting. And I picked a a redhead. Uh, human for my warden and it ended up being my favorite character it wasn't my first character um but she when i built her it was before i had red hair and now i have red hair and she does too so it's just weird maybe i'm becoming like my game characters all regal and noble and self-sufficient i can run around the world protect myself protect everyone else do good maybe that's what i'm gonna be Maybe maybe video games help me become who I am today. Well, that's not a bad thing. Hmm. I guess it depends on what kind of games you play, right? Stuff where you can solve problems. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a big gun game kind of person. I appreciate the, the skill that's involved. But um, for me, I like stories. Maybe that's why I'm a librarian. But... I kind of appreciate that and I appreciate the fact that you can do so much more in some of these worlds and I, I love it like there's a um, the, in Lord of the Rings online there was a, a quest and I it was one that everyone in the whole community could work together to try to figure out It's a big mystery quest I still I've seen people who kind of think they have it figured out and I still don't know what the heck they mean I feel like not smart enough for some of these big scale uh, mystery, you know, those, there's always somebody who has such a grind for puzzle solving. 
And I always appreciated that because you like, I try to read mysteries sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I figured it out. And people are, how do you figure it out? I'm like this and this and this. And they're like, wow. But like these guys, they will like go, oh, this is like this kind of alphabet. And if you like change letters to this, like they're code breaking their 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 knowledge of history and their their knowledge of the story and it's combined with it like weird um like you jump on top of this mountain and you'll see like something if you look at there at the this certain time of the day like oh my god how did they ever figure it out so things like that humble me greatly i like the idea that there are people out there Figuring out things I could never figure out, and I appreciate them for. What else? Um, we're playing a new game at home that just came out this last week called Outer Worlds. Sorry about that. Looks like all, but um, I'm playing a game called Outer Worlds. Outer outer space all out okay it keeps dropping me is it is it big brother Are they trying to silence my voice Oh yeah, it could be. Hopefully it's still recording. Oh, I don't even know how you check. Oh yeah, it says it is. That's scary when it just dropped like that. I always kind of suspect that our internet providers throttle us at, you know, supper time. It seems very likely most days that something has happened. But you remember like, gosh, when I first started having like really good internet, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's so fast. But now there's certain times of the day where I'm just sure that something is like holding us back because it seems like things are sometimes faster in the past. How is that possible? So anyway, Outer Worlds, before I lose my signal again, is really fun. And, um, you know, you go out in outer space and one of the things I, I it, the story appeals to me in that, um, they were, it's like corporations were um, working together. And it's kind of like the corporations become government at a certain point. But they were trying to get people who really shot in space. Um, has either like. Okay, so each little community has their own little government, which is run by a different corporate. One makes like, food and another. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.